Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. That actually in this room, that there's so many people that we, our lives we go in this pattern, and every now and again we have moments where the enemy will come up to your life and he'll almost rip out things out of your life that you that you've been leaning into, hoping for, trusting for, and just before you think you're about life is about to get good, you feel the enemy go, sorry, wrong desk. Let me paint it in a practical way. Maybe for you, it's you got married. And you were so excited and you had faith and this is, this is amazing and you had your wedding photos up. And just as your marriage was getting traction, you found out that your husband was cheating on you. And the whole thing came shattering down. It was almost like wrong desk and you're left empty. Maybe for you it was the fact that you got the job you had longed for and you're making progress in the company. And just as you were doing so, there was a big memo that got sent out and said, we're making company-wide retrenchments and wrong desk. And your whole world shatters. Or maybe for you, it's you're saying, I want to follow Jesus. I'm in on this Jesus thing. But every week, you f- keep falling at the same habit, the same addiction. And every week, you lose more and more faith as you feel just the wrong desk, wrong desk, wrong desk. And maybe I'm not the guy I thought I was. I'm not the girl I thought I was. This morning, I have a simple aim in this, in this preach, a very simple aim. And if I do it, if I do my job properly, I'll have a great nap this afternoon as Olivia has her nap. And I'll sleep well. But this is my aim, is I want to remind you of who you are and whose you are. I want to remind you of who you are and whose you are. And I want to move your eyes off the empty desk and put them on the empty tomb. I want to take your eyes off the empty future, the empty, the empty uh, hope that you might have had r- ripped out from beneath you. I want to take them off the empty desk and put them on the empty tomb this morning. Is everyone all right with that? Good, give me a nod, give me a nod. This is, this is school holidays, guys. Come on, work here. Good, why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to read one verse of Scripture this morning. One verse of Scripture together. It's found in 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22. Are you ready for it? Let's have a look at it. It'll be on the screen. I hope it'll be on the screen. There we go. This is the verse. Are you ready? On a snowy day, Benaiah went into a pit and killed a lion. That's it. That's it. Hey, you guys didn't even know that one was in there. Hey, should we read it again together? Let's because I would elongate the stand. Otherwise, we're standing for no reason. Let's stand and read it together. Ready? One, two, three. On a snowy day, Benaiah went into a pit and killed a lion. You guys are amazing. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray this morning. As we stand here as attention to your word, saying, God, your word is going to do a work in our hearts. I pray right now, God, for the furthest heart, and you're pursuing that heart. Where they say, I think I've gone too far. I think I've run too far away. You're saying, my grace still goes further. I thank you, God. I pray for the hardest heart in this room tonight, today, God, that, that feels that, that, that life has been too rough and i just got to protect myself. I thank you, God, that you're softening the hardest hearts. And I thank you, Father God, for the broken heart, the heart that is shattered and in pieces. I pray that you're healing that heart too. Would you do all of this in, in this amazing room today, together, together today? We trust you, Jesus. Amen, amen. Why don't you take a seat? And if you can give someone a high five next year, it's good, because I feel we're a little bit slow on the uptake. A little bit slow on the uptake this morning. Come on, people. It's good. This morning, I want to simply give you three truths to strengthen your faith. Are you ready for that? Three truths to strengthen your faith. When you feel life is falling apart, how to strengthen your faith. Number one, from this text of Scripture, number one is this, and it'll be on the screen behind me, is that my circumstance does not determine my response. Let me say it again in a charismatic voice. My circumstance 
does not determine my response. Thank you so much for those amens. Glory be. The scripture starts with this, what, this three words. It says, on a snowy day. On a snowy day. I want to tell you, the scripture is amazing. But I want to tell you, I'm no expert on animal husbandry or big game hunting. But I want to tell you one thing I'm pretty confident of by my watching of National Geographic shows from time to time. Snowy days do not equal good lion-killing weather. Uh, maybe I'm happy to be pointed out as wrong, but I'm pretty certain on that one fact. I'm not a smart guy, but I'm pretty sure. Snowy days, no Lion King moments. And I want to actually tell you, if I open my curtains on a day that my Google calendar said, oh, today kill the lion. Cool, I'll do that today. Open up the curtain, I start seeing snow fall. Can I tell you what my first thing is? Close the curtains. Back into bed. Electric blanket on three. Get the series out. Phone the boss and go, <laughs> sorry boss. You're going to have to get someone else to kill that lion. Got a little bit of a chest infection. Am I the only one who shies away from those moments? That's what I will do. Perfect conditions to stay at home. But Benaiah, our good man Benaiah, from 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22, this one verse of scripture, Benaiah opens the curtains that day, sees the snow falling and goes, perfect conditions to kill a lion. I want to tell you, the enemy... Satan wants our lives and our futures to be dictated by our appetites, our emotions, and what happens around us. Maybe you've said words like this. You said things like, my emotions just ran away from me. Maybe you said things like, uh, I, I just lost my mind. Maybe you said, I couldn't help myself. Or the classic, I, I was desperate. I didn't know what else to do. I want to tell you, this is what the enemy does. The enemy gets us responding due to the circumstances around us, getting us reacting rather than responding in faith. And, and we meet up with a character named Jesus Christ, and he, in the book of Matthew, he, he faced a, a similar temptation in the, in the desert, in the wilderness. He goes there for 40 days, and he's fasting and praying, 40 days in the desert. And I want to be honest, 40 days for me in the desert, not ideal circumstances for spiritual warfare. If I want ideal circumstances for spiritual warfare, I want Bethel keyboard in the background. You know, a little bit of Kim Walker laughing over, it's good, now I've got some music, I want some charismatic friends around me, I want to be pumped up, I want to be a, come out of a prayer meeting and full of faith. But Jesus goes into a wilderness, not ideal circumstances to fight a battle against Satan, on an empty stomach, ugh, nochal. I've been working on my Afrikaans. I used to say nogal. Realized that wasn't correct. But this moment, Jesus in the desert, he's hungry. His circumstances saying, you're hungry, you're tired, come on. And the enemy comes straight away and says, I'm going to go for your appetite, for your emotions. And says, Jesus, why aren't you hungry? Turn these stones into bread. He could have done it. He's God. He Water into wine, that's easy. Bread, bread, stones into bread. Ha! Albany white loaf, easy. He could have done that, but can I tell you the amazing thing that I'm so grateful for is how Jesus responded. So I was saying, my man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus was not, did not respond dependent on his circumstances, but he had a different response. And I want to tell you what faith says. Faith says, I am not a victim of my circumstance. I want to put that deep in our hearts. You are not a victim of your circumstance. As a Christ follower, as a person filled with the Spirit of God, I want to tell us this morning, if our circumstances don't determine our response, if we're starting to put this truth deep in our hearts, because this is who we are, there's an implication to this. Are you ready for the implication? 
The implication is for us to make this, appropriate this truth and start living in it, we have to set our excuse loose. It rhymes, so it must be true. It works well on a bumper sticker, but it's true. Set your excuse loose. I want to say this way, breakthroughs start when excuses end. I thought so too, Crystal. I thought those too. Breakthroughs start when excuses end. And we've been asking this question again and again of ourselves recently, saying, what is holding our future hostage? Right now, what is holding, what excuse is tethering you from moving forward in your family, your business, your, your faith journey, your relationships? What is holding you hostage from moving forward in this journey? Maybe you're echoing something similar to me where I say, when I just get through this baby phase, when she sleeps through the night, and, and we, we have these excuses that roll off the tongue, or maybe you say something like this, when I get a new job, when the finances get a little bit stronger, when my boss gets off my case, then I'll get a new, I'll sort this thing out. Maybe you said, when my spouse gets a new attitude, she, let me tell you what she did. Or maybe you say, when I get over my divorce, then I can step out in faith. I want to tell you, we hand over authority of our futures to other people, other situations, to circumstances way too quickly. We abdicate authority and let that circumstances dictate how we are supposed to walk in faith. I want to tell you, you and I are called to respond not based on circumstances, but on faith. Here's a question I'd love to pose to you this morning. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Let me explain the difference. For us in, the, in South Africa, we're not too sure of the thermostat things. But thermometers respond to the temperature. They tell you what they see, measure the temperature, and they respond accordingly. It's hot. Thermostats set the temperature. Can I tell you, you and I are people who are called to be thermostats, who are people who set the temperature, not respond to the temperature. You don't just respond to negative circumstances, but actually respond in faith and set the atmosphere. I want to tell you, when the heat is up, do you just shrink back? Or do you step up and say, I'm not led by my excuses, but rather by the Spirit of God? Here's a spiritual implication that's so dear to my heart. In the book of Ephesians, we are taught that as Christ follows, as soon as the day we say yes to Jesus, there comes this divine, divine spiritual action in our hearts that actually we become dual citizens. Do you know that in Ephesians it tells us that right now we are here in the flesh, but we also, at the same time, we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Ephesians tells us, dual citizenship. But here's the implication. If this is true of us, that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places right now, that's who I am, and I'm here on earth as well, will I live from earth to heaven, responding with what I see on earth, and then going and begging God, please help me out of this situation, God? Or will I live from heaven to earth, not seeing what my circumstances do first, but seeing what my Father does, and responding that way. Jesus said it this way. He says, I only do what I see my Father do. He felt no compulsion or pressure to be dragged by circumstances into some sort of response, a frustration, an anger, an apathy, a, a shrinking back. He responded by seeing what his father was doing. This is good truth. I want to ask us this morning, or tell us, speak to my fickle heart, that I cannot control everything that comes into my life, but I can control my response to it. I cannot control every circumstance that happens. No one can, but we do have authority to control our response to them. I want to put authority back into our hands because I think too often I've said this again and again. We say things, I hear it slip out of my mouth. He ruined my day. <laughs> I want to ask again, who is he 
And why have you given him so much control over your day and over your emotions and over your, circum- over your response? Who is he? We often give away our authority and our reaction and we live in deficit. We live in this wrong desk mentality. And I want to land this point by saying stop talking yourself out of what God has called you to do. Stop calling yourself, talking yourself out of what God has talk, called you to do. Didn't tell you the number one person who lies to yourself, who lies to you? It's not your spouse, not your boss, not the news, it's you. We speak to ourselves and lie to ourselves continually. We have to start to take, hold that voice and say, actually, I'm not going to be ruled by my circumstances, but rather my response is ruled by faith. My circumstances are not determined, my, my response is not determined by my circumstance. Number two this morning is my opposition will lead to my opportunity. Bam, in big and bold. My opposition will become my opportunity. The text says, on a snowy day, Benaiah, secondly, went into a pit. Now again, I've watched many episodes of When Animals Attack to know that you don't follow a lion into a pit. Actually, by nature of the title of that show, When Lions Attack, I mean, When Animals Attack, you know it doesn't end well for the human. Spoiler alert. Every time, the animal always wins, it seems. When Animals Attack. Anyway, logic. But I want to tell you, following a lion into a pit, to me, seems stupidity. I'd get to that pit and go, wait till you come out, boy. And start baiting him to come out or back away. And I'll ask you the question, do we, when we have opposition or challenge in our life, do we shrink back or do we dive in? Do we shrink back or do we dive in? Because here's the, the implication. The enemy wants our lives and our futures to be dictated by fear. Not just by appetites and our desires and our, our emotions and our circumstances. He wants our futures to be hijacked by fear that keeps raising its head in our lives. And I believe too many people are handcuffed by fear. You set out with good intentions, but then opposition rears its head and you back away. Wrong desk, I'm not the one. And we step back and we abdicate authority. You see, the thing the enemy sets up, are you ready for a good one? The thing the enemy sets up for your destruction, I believe when, when seized with faith, will lead to your deliverance. Let me say it again. The thing the enemy sets up for your destruction, I believe, can become the thing that leads to your de- deliverance. You go and seem convinced. All right, I'll convince you this morning. There's a story in the Old Testament, a narrative of a man named Moses who led two million people out of Egypt after years of slavery. He leads them out with songs of triumph and songs of joy and dancing. And we're going free. We're into the promised land. And they get, they're going and this whole journey of two million people is marching victoriously into their future. And then they come around the corner and the Red Sea. A massive, massive obstacle, if there's ever been one. And as they take, a, take this in about this Red Sea and start thinking, okay, what's the, what's the future going to look like? Behind them, they start to see a dust cloud. As Pharaoh actually goes, what the heck are we doing letting two million workers go? Free, cheap labor. Go get them. And a whole bunch of chariots and a whole of the Pharaoh's strength and army come behind them. Dust going huge. And they start to hear the chariots get louder and louder. And they're hearing the Egyptian shouts. And the two million people start to lose courage. All of a sudden they're going, Moses, why did you bring us here to die? You brought us out of Egypt to have a false sense of hope. We step up and now the Red Sea in front of us. There's death behind us everywhere we turn. Let's just let's say sorry and go back with the Egyptians. The people who saw the opposition and started to shrink back. But I say, 
this. Thank goodness for the man named Moses who responded not by what he saw, but by faith. And this man, Moses, looked at the Red Sea, the obstacle, and said, actually, this could be an opportunity for my deliverance, for the people's deliverance. Raises the staff in obedience to God. The waters part, one on the left side, on the right-hand side. The whole Israel nation walk out, walk through on dry land with waves on the left, waves on the right, through this the sea, nervously. They get to the other side, and the thing that the enemy set up for their destruction comes crashing down on who? The enemy behind them, killing all of those voices that have been attacking and chasing and trying to drag them back into their past. I want to tell you what the enemy sets up for your destruction with eyes of faith can lead to your deliverance. Here's the question is what is behind you that's holding you captive in fear? The voice of your failures, of your past that just keeps on calling. This is, no, that's who you are, dragging you back. What is lying in front of you that's holding you captive in fear, fear of the future? Fear of what will tomorrow will bring. Fear will this month, October, will I have enough money to make it to the end? What is holding you captive in this moment? And I want to tell you this with confidence. This is no light and fluffy preach because I want to tell you, you and I were made to thrive under persecution and trial. Christians were made to thrive under persecution and trial. Can I tell you, every time in the Bible the ble- that, that uh, the Israel nation, every time blessing came, they shrunk back. Every time there was trial, they pressed forward. It's the narrative of Scripture. You still don't believe me this morning. I'm having to work hard for this. Okay, fine, it's all right. I long to preach a sermon about prisons in Scripture, and I'll just give you a praise here of what it'll be like this morning. Can I tell you, the prisons in Scripture, where men of faith have been thrown in prison, the thing that was supposed to shut them up and be a parameter on their future and lock them down ended up leading to become their passport. Their prison became their passport again and again. The man Joseph, he was thrown into prison. The thing that people said, this will quiet him down, this will shut him out. But because of, that, because of the prison, he responded in faith and saw his opposition as an opportunity. He ended up getting called and hauled into the Pharaoh's court and because of that, he ended up becoming second in charge of the nation. A prison became his passport. You're still not convinced. Fine. Jonah was thrown overboard by the sailors saying, get away. You're hindering our future. Threw him overboard. He went into a natural prison of a whale. Got swallowed up. But that whale that was supposed to be the opposition that was supposed to hinder his work, hinder what God was doing, that whale vomits him back onto Nineveh's shore where God had called him to go. He gets up and preaches and the whole nation is saved. His opposition became his opportunity. This side still doesn't seem convinced. All right, fine. I'll press on. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were frustrating the, the enemy and the, the people in Babylon. And the, Nebuchadnezzar says, actually, guys, enough of your, your whining and your, your standing for this true God. Into the furnace you go. Three men go into the fire. And that, for me, is the end of these guys. But not for these guys. You respond in faith. Their opposition will become the opportunity. A fourth man appears in their fire. And because of that, they get hauled out and given authority in the nation of Babylon where they're not even from. Another man, Daniel, is thrown to the lion's den. He is thrown there because they are sick and tired of him. His opposition, done. A lion. He literally goes into the pit just like Benaiah. The next morning they come, the lion's mouth is still open. Daniel's still there saying, what kind? (laughs) He gets authority in the nation that was never going to be there before the lion thing. You're still not convinced. Fine. Paul and Silas are thrown into prison. They've got to start a church, but they get hammered on every front. They can't seem to get breakthrough. They get thrown into prison. So they worship at midnight when it's darkest, when the world seems so dark and everyone else will be going, this sucks, woe is me. They respond in faith and say, my opposition will become an opportunity. They worship. The jail doors open up. The prisoner guard comes and says, I'm going to kill myself. They say, wait, we're still here. They lead him to the Lord, lead his family to the Lord, and they become key pillars and the church in Philippi bursts open. You want one more? They can't go, hold Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm nearly finished. Hold on, I'm just getting going. I'm getting excited. Faith. 
Jesus Christ goes to the cross, and the cross, which was meant to be the, the nail and the coffin of humanity forever and ever and ever, he goes into the grave. But can I tell you, the tomb that was meant there to contain our, the Christianity, contain their full stop on you and our future, becomes the passport for many sons to come to glory. I charismatically put before you this morning that your opposition, when embraced with faith, can become your opportunity. What is holding you captive right now that you think is stopping you walking into the thing God has for you? What's that one thing you think, actually, that thing? I want to tell you this. I call you today with faith. Stare it down. Look at it with faith and not fear and watch God turn the opposition into an opportunity. I land and propose to you in this moment of this point is saying that testimonies only come from tests. No one, I don't know. Imagine you go to church, someone gets up and says, my life was amazing, I was a millionaire. Now, I'm a double millionaire. Everyone will go, boo, you suck. <laughs> no one wants to hear those stories. Those YouTube views are very small. But actually, if you want breakthrough, if you want, if you want God to do stuff, can I tell you something? Greatest testimonies always come out of op uh, opposition because he's the God of the breakthrough, the one who leads us out of and into more. Will you trust the God of the breakthrough? I want to tell you this amazing story of Benaiah. This one verse, there's it's six verses in Scripture about this man, Benaiah. Six verses. He's like a small little, little man in terms of his, his profile. But because of this one act where he goes and chases a lion into a pit on a snowy day, kills it, the next verse, if we go read on, a couple of verses down, it says, David took notice of this man, David, the king of Israel, and made him his chief bodyguard. His opposition, the lion that you can think, ah, oh, the lion or the enemy is going, that's going to disqualify me, ended up being the thing that qualified him into greatness. Your opposition will become your opportunity. The pit and the lion became his promotion. Third and finally this morning, are you Okay. One more? Good. Thank you. Just one more. I'm fine. My circumstance does not determine my response. This is who we are as Christ followers. Secondly, my opposition will become my opportunity. And thirdly and finally, I was made to kill lions. Now, before you freak out and say, it's, I'm speaking metaphorically, okay? I don't want the inbox to say, Gabe and lions are on the protected species, and I'm not advocating some American dentist to go after Cecil. No. Not fans of that. I am saying, spiritually speaking, the enemy wants our lives and our futures to be dictated to by our insecurities. Not just by our circumstances and our emotions and our appetites. Not just by fear, but he wants to hamstring us and handcuff us by the insecurities, the things we think are disqualifying us. And I want to tell you this morning that safety, passivity, status quo are not in the language of Christ followers. Neutral is the most dangerous state there is. We will be made to be winning battles. We are made to be taking ground. The scripture tells us we are led from glory to glory. We are led from in triumphal procession. Christ is leading us into more and more victory. I'm not saying it's always easy. I'm not saying there will be no battles, but I'm saying that we are more than overcomers. We are more than conquerors in Christ. And the great thing for me is it's not just to say we are just conquerors. It says we are more than conquerors, which means that when we win battles, they have implications for others. We're not individuals on this journey. Yet it opens up space for others. What is a neutral always go backwards. Here's a big thing for you and I. Private victories lead to public authority. The thing that you think that is just private, is just my thing to fight for, I'm telling you, that thing that you think is just your battle is the thing that's holding you back from public authority. God wants to release you into more that has impact for others. And God's saying, kill that thing dead and watch while I open up for you.
I want to ask you, what battle are you fighting in private that you need to get victory over today? The thing you've been tolerating for too long. The line that's been keeping you insecure because of it for too long. I, I want to urge you this morning, kill that lion dead. Here's a theology that I brought into years ago, deep theology. Are you ready for deep theology? This is really deep. You guys might want to like take a deep breath. This might be over some of your heads. Small lions become big lions, and big lions eat people. Bible. Hashtag theology. <laughs> Let me say it again. Small lions seem cute and comfortable, and I can, and I can cuddly, and I, oh, a little bit of a scratch, I can contain it. Small lions by nature become big lions, and big lions eat people. I say it this way. Sin is a big deal, but Jesus is a bigger deal doesn't mean we minimize sin, but we maximize Jesus. So I want to say the thing that has been holding you back and see that you say keeps disqualifying me. Wrong disc every time I want to step forward, but that thing is pulling me back. Kill that lion dead. I'll tell you, you were made to kill it. I want to tell you why. How do I know that you're made? Well, because in Romans chapter 8, I stumbled over this verse that says, All creation waits and groans for what? For the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. The sons of the Almighty to be revealed. All creation. So here's my thought. God is convinced that you and I were made to win battles. God is convinced. He knows what he's put inside of us. God is convinced that he's given us more than enough than we need for life and godliness. Can I tell you, Satan is convinced. That's why he's bringing opposition your way. That's why he's trying to handcuff your future. Because he is convinced of who you're called to be. Thirdly, all creation knows who you're called to be. It's waiting and groaning for you to be revealed and to step into it. The only people who seem confused are you and I. Oh, not me. Wrong desk. Everyone else, the all of creation is poised and waiting. Will we realize who we called to be in this, in this season? I want to tell you for too long, I believe we've been tamed by tradition, expectation, circumstances. But as I land, I want to tell you, I have confidence this morning that when I am in, t in tough circumstances, I can respond differently. I don't have to respond the way that I've always responded because my circumstances don't determine my response. I want to tell you, I believe this morning that when opposition comes my way, I won't back down, but I'd rather get stuck in because my opposition will lead to my opportunity. And thirdly, I want to tell you, when the enemy roars over my life, I want to tell you I won't bow to insecurity, but I'd rather kill that lion dead because I was made to kill lions. I want to tell you this morning, though, I have this confidence not because I'm amazing. Many of you probably are going to go, amen, we know that. My wife probably is right now. I want to tell you, I'm not, not even joking. I want to say I have confidence not because I'm amazing or because I've got some super inner strength that maybe you don't know of. No, I want to tell you I'm very flawed. And I, and, I, and I struggle just as you do in these moments. But I want to tell you that there's actually only one real hero in Scripture. And his name is not Gabe. And it's actually not even Beniah. It's an amazing man that we've read this morning. You see, Benaiah is just a shadow and a type of the true story in Scripture, and his name is Jesus. How do I know this? Well, because the name Benaiah actually means son of the Almighty. Ben is son of, Aya is Almighty. Benjamin, son of my right hand. This is how this, the language works, the Hebrew language, but Benaiah is son of the Almighty. And I want to tell you this amazing truth is that he's a sign pointing us to the son of the Almighty. Jesus Christ. This morning I want to impress upon your heart, stop looking at your empty desk. 
your empty future, your empty wallet, your empty, your empty emotions, your empty relationships. I want to say, to look, to stop looking at the empty desk and start looking at the empty tomb because when you see the empty tomb, you can realize the tomb is empty. That means my future is full. He has won the victory already on our behalf. I want to tell you, Jesus left heaven's throne because sin was destroying his people. Sin was destroying his people and holding him handcuffed and their futures were being determined by circumstances, by opposition, by lions roaring and the people were shrinking back, shrinking back. So God sent his one and only son, Jesus, to enter the fray. And Jesus enters the fray and, and all of the darkness starts to start to move backwards because they're starting to watch the son of the almighty step into unideal circumstances, stepping into pits, starting to kill lions all left, right and center. Jesus started to move forward and then all of a sudden the people who was, he came to save turned on Jesus and they crucified him and the end me went, your only hope for salvation, you have killed him yourselves. Well done, sons of Adams. Ha ha! And the nails went in, Jesus cried out, it is finished. And the enemy, I can imagine, went, it's finished indeed. We've won! The lion of the enemy has roared one final time and we have won. And Jesus came down from the cross, went into the grave, and I can imagine that Saturday. That Saturday, the scripture tells us all the disciples who had, who had launched out with faith, saying, Jesus, will always be with you. We're standing. Jerome, we're going to take over. This is it. The nations are ours. We're following you, son of the Almighty. That Saturday, silence. Nothing. And I can imagine these, these fishermen, these, these, these ordinary people, tax collectors, they, the Bible tells us that they, they, they started to shrink back. They went back to what they had been doing before Jesus came. They started to hide because of the pressure and opposition that started to mount against them. And I can imagine for all of them, it was almost a giant wrong desk moment. They opened the desk and they felt the enemy go, your future, ha, it's just been crucified. Wrong desk, the enemy yelled over them. But I want to tell you this morning that Sunday came. Sunday came. And our lives as Christ followers are not determined by Friday or Saturday. Our lives are determined by by what happened on Sunday, that Christ rose victorious from the grave, holding the keys of life and death in his hand. And as Eugene Peterson says, he marched Satan down the high streets naked, the conqueror over the conquered. Jesus entered that pit one final time and he slayed the ultimate lion and he said, it is finished. And when he said it was finished, he wasn't saying that, he said that the old is gone, but the new has come. This is why you and I have faith, I have faith this morning for you and I. I pray as I land this morning, turn your eyes from the empty desk. Turn it from your bank account. Turn it from your empty future, your relationships. Place your eyes on an empty tomb. The King, the Son of the Almighty. I can guarantee your future is full because the tomb is empty. I want to pray for us. Number one, my circumstances don't determine my response. Number two, my opposition will lead to my opportunity. Number three, I was made to kill lions. And these battles, these truths that we push deep into our hearts so that we can respond differently. It's not a war we fight and we don't dive into these pits with loud voices or swords or some weapons. Our weapons we fight with is faith in Jesus Christ. I want to pray this morning. If you've, you feel your future has been handcuffed for way too long, you say, my future, Gabe, has been handcuffed by my appetites. I've just been responding to what my flesh says I should do, what my circumstances say I should do. Maybe you've been responding because you're in fear because the op opposition seems huge and you've pulled back. Maybe it's your insecurities that have just been ravaging and the dog keeps, the lion of the enemy keeps barking and, and roaring against you and pulling you back. If you're saying, Gabe, my, my future has been handcuffed for too long, today I'm believing the truth of Beniah. But more importantly, the truth of Jesus Christ, the Son of the Almighty. I'd love you just to raise your hands just so I can pray with you. Sometimes we've got to respond in faith. And a little simple hand raise 
does nothing except for the fact saying I'm putting my faith out there. Thank you for raising your hands. Father, I pray for these people who are saying, Jesus, I need a different response. Today I'm putting my trust in you, that you are, you're unwiring my old nature and you're saying this is who you are, my son, my daughter. I thank you, Father God, you're putting faith back in hearts. You're putting courage back in hearts to respond differently. I pray right now, God, where bank balances have been empty and there's been fear where relationships have been empty. I, pray, I speak into even businesses here, God, where businesses have felt the pressure and I need to respond a certain way. I pray into businesses here this morning that have been responding in, in, with fleshly ways when actually they said, I'm called to respond differently. I pray faith into those responses. I pray into marriages that are feeling tethered, feeling stretched, feeling empty. I pray right now into marriages which you put faith again. But ultimately, Jesus, I pray for these hands for futures right now. I thank you, God, for sons and daughters. You're saying, you're my son. You're my daughter. You're called to respond differently. So I thank you for this word of faith that on a snowy day, Benaiah went into a pit and killed a lion so that we could have faith and courage to see who you've called us to be. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.